Good morning to you and Merry Christmas. Everything's a bit happier on Christmas. We want to be encouraged now with the Word of God. What does the Bible teach us about this wonderful gift that we have? So we've come together, we've prayed, we've sung songs, we've read Scripture. Now we get to delve into it and think, what gift does God have for me? What presence does God have for me? Because when you receive a wonderful gift, I mean, sometimes even undies you can get excited about, but when you receive a wonderful gift, you want to show others. Hopefully not your undies. (laughs) Normally what happens is, and I've asked a number of people as they walked up, particularly the children, so what have you opened already? What presents have you got? And the kids oftentimes are quite excited and happy to tell you about what they've got. And they, you're happy and, and, and you're excited about what you, you've opened up and some of you are even nodding your head now. And that's wonderful and it's great to be excited about presence. But you know what? There's a lot more to life than just presence. But it's kind of nice to get them though, isn't it? As a child, in fact, <laughs> I, still, I did it this morning. After you open your presence, you lay them out. And you display them. I used to do it at my bed. Now I do it on the side table because <laughs> less presents. And you lay them out and you, and you display them out and you look at them and you look back upon what you've got and you're excited about it. And there's particular years when you get special gifts that you never forget about. 34 years ago, when I was seven years old, I got a gift that I'm going to tell you about. As a family, we, had, we were living on five acres of property. We had a big shed out the back. We had already opened up all of our presents, and then we had one more gift that was totally a surprise to me. And we were taken out into the big back shed. And I remember my dad taking the door, and he was, I, I don't remember if he was watching me, but I'm sure he was, for my reaction. And standing in front of the big shed, having no idea what was going to happen next. He opened the door, and a picture on the screen of a a bike that looks just like my motorbike that I got when I was seven years old, except that one's much cleaner, (laughs) much nicer. And he opened it up, and my friend had been storing his yellow motorcycle uh, in our shed as well. And so I saw two yellow motorcycles sitting next to each other, and I thought at first I was seeing double. I didn't realize what I was seeing. Then, of course, this celebration and the joy of sitting on the bike and getting pictures, and somewhere in the big barrel of things of Michael, somewhere in my parents' shed now, is a photograph of me on that day sitting on that motorcycle. And I remember so distinctly the excitement of that day. Then later on the afternoon, we, after going to church in the morning, we, we came back and I rode that motorcycle for the very first time and I had to learn how to use a clutch. And this is a true story and I honestly have no idea. This is pre-iPhone days when you can record everything and I wish we had a recording because I would have been YouTube famous because somehow the very first time I rode that motorcycle and I have no idea how I did this, I ended up the motorcycle vertically stuck in a barbed wire fence (laughs) and i no idea how it happened somehow i did an amazing wheelie the first time i did it and rode into a fence you have a story to tell and 34 years later i'm still telling the story 
And when you have a wonderful gift, you don't just go, well, that's nice. What did you get? Nothing. But when you get something you're really excited about, you want to tell people, and you don't just tell it for one day or one year. It becomes a lifetime story about who you are. And we have a wonderful gift this Christmas. And through previous four Sundays, we've been walking through a series called Life and discovering the, the direction for our life this Christmas. And we use the, word, the letters L-I-F-E and to, to break down Christmas. And this morning, I'm going to give you a brief summary of all four sermons. Don't worry, it's not going to be that long. We start off with the light of Christmas. And then we move on to the Emmanuel, the God with us of Christmas, the favor of Christmas, and also that Christmas is for everyone. And the gift of life that we see in through Jesus Christ is interwoven through each and every one of these messages. So all four of these gifts that we have are, don't stand independent. They all come together and they're interdependent upon one another. And as you, we see them grow and develop, I have a principle for today that I want to, to give you as a gift. Here's the principle. God invites me to receive the gift of life. If you imagine one of those gifts on the wall there, as nicely and beautifully wrapped as they are, they don't really get you all that excited, do they? Because you can appreciate the wrapping ability and some of you have already opened up presents and you didn't appreciate the, the time and the effort taken to fold perfectly over every single, you just ripped it open. But you can take and appreciate how nicely wrapped the gifts are, and you can see how pretty they are, and you can look at them, oh, look at that nice bow. It's so pretty and no, so nice, but you really don't get excited about it. Do you know why? Because your name's not on it. And if your name was on one of those gifts, you'd have a very different attitude about it. The gift of life that we have through Jesus Christ has your name on it waiting for you to receive that gift and so as a result of that we have a very different attitude and a very different way of looking at the gifts of jesus christ this morning through the scripture reading we read about the announcement of the birth of jesus to joseph in, in matthew chapter number one then we went into luke chapter number two and we read about the the birth of jesus christ and then we went back to the book of matthew and matthew chapter number two and we read about the wise men coming to find jesus and to worship him and I'm going to start off with that as a foundation. And then from that, we're going to make some application for our lives today. There's an old saying that's a very good saying. It says, wise men still seek him. I want you to mold it around for a moment. Wise men still seek him, as in they still are looking for Jesus and still looking for the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, if you can imagine what's taking place here. We have these men that are known as the wise men. And they are from the east. And they've traveled weeks, if not months, through the desert toward Jerusalem on their way to see this king. They had been reading and discovering in the scriptures that there was a prophesied king of the Jews who was going to be born. 
And you think of the excitement, they gathered things together, all the practicals that are not recorded in Scripture. The fact that they had to leave their own families. They had to get permission from probably their king. And they, they took the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh, and they brought it together. They, they, they was probably, in fact, there was probably most definitely more than three. There probably would have been an entourage of people there to protect this, this great gift and also to travel along and all the practicals of, of traveling. And they finally arrive in Jerusalem. Them, and you think, what would they be expecting? The king of the Jews has been born, and they were probably expecting a huge celebration, parties to be going on, excitement, because this had been prophesied for hundreds of years previous. And then they arrive in Jerusalem, and everything is dead, quiet, and normal. And they ask the question in verse number two. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. They went and stood before a king named Herod. Now history tells us that he's known as Herod the Great. He was a king who was actually quite remarkable. In February this year, I had the opportunity to go to Israel and all throughout Israel, and especially around Jerusalem you would see the ruins of things that were built by Herod. And so during his reign, he built incredible things that are still standing today. He, he rebuilt the temple of God. They, they, there was different aqueducts built and, and walls built that go back, and they often refer to the time of Herod. He built some incredible things. So in a physical way, he really was a great king. And humanly speaking, he was great. He with the building and his construction, but spiritually he was a very, very empty man. He was a very jealous man. And when he heard these men that come from so far away saying the king of the Jews has been born, he gets nervous and he gets jealous and he conspires and says, go back and find him and tell me where he is so that I can worship him too. All along thinking in his heart, I'm going to kill this kid. The wise men received a dream from God to go back home a different way so they didn't tell King Herod where, they were, where the Jesus was. The wise men brought gifts. They were ready for a celebration. And what they found was nothing. It was quiet. The people of Israel had missed the, the promise of their Messiah being born. So therefore, God brought people from a distant nation to come and worship him and to set him up. And you continue reading through the book of, of Matthew, you see how God provided for his family and protected Mary and Joseph and their family and miraculously saved, saved Jesus from utter destruction and death. And that's, that's a reading for another day. But there's four gifts of life that are gifts of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to go through them really briefly as a reminder if you've been in the services, but also as an encouragement that that gift has your name on it. So there's four gifts of life we see. First of all, the first gift of life is the gift of light. Jesus comes into the world and turns on the lights for us. He turns on the lights of life through Jesus Christ. Many of you maybe have, have traveled around and you've driven in the car or walked the streets of Christmas lights. Like, 
for a good example of that, Dunstan Street on South Bunbury is a lovely street filled with lovely houses. But it's just another street until Christmas time. And then they turn on the lights, and then literally thousands of people go through. We made the mistake last year of trying to go on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Never again. Before we even got in the area, because we were backed up in the car so far, the kids had all fallen asleep, and we were stuck there for another hour in order to get out of there. So this year we went on Friday, several days before Christmas. You walk through or you drive through the area, and it's beautiful, and you're seeing oohs and ahs and all these happy people, because what happened is they turned on the lights. Now, in a spiritual way, that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done. He's taken the ordinary us, and he's turned on the light of truth for us. And it says in John chapter number 1, verses 4 and verse number 9, In him, that's talking about Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. The true light, that is Jesus, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. We have the wonderful privilege of truth. He's turned on the light of truth so that we no longer have to live in the darkness of not knowing what happens in the future. The opposite of, a, as it says there in verse number 9, a true light, the opposite of that would be a false light. What is a false light? And we live in that in our world all around us. We don't know what is right and what is wrong. Our society doesn't know which way to go. In your bulletin, on the front of your bulletin is a maze. And I put that on there because for your enjoyment. And, but it also, it's very symbolic of this series in the fact that life is filled with uncertainty. We often, outside of Jesus Christ, we don't know which way to go. We don't know whether to go left or right or forward or backwards. And progressively through the series, to keep you more interested, I've got more and more difficult mazes on this. This is a really hard one for you today. So go home and get your glasses on <laughs> and, and focus on it. You can do that. It's, it's my gift to you this Christmas. But it's a symbolic, and I want that to be a reminder to you that life is filled with uncertainty. We need the truth. We need the light to be turned on. It's a horrible feeling to discover that you've been lied to. It's a horrible feeling to find out late, late in life, I was wrong. Now, I realize this is Christmas Day, so there's none of you husbands and wife are going to argue today. Okay, so this is just totally hypothetical. You ever been in an argument with your spouse? I mean, let's just, let's just call it an argument. Let's just call it a discussion. <laughs> you ever had a, a discussion with your spouse and you are adamant that, that you are right and you are, you are so eloquent in your delivery and about three quarters of the way through your great pose of how you are explaining how right you are and how wrong that other person is, you discover that, hang on, I'm wrong. You have a choice of how you're going to respond. And depending on how quick-witted you are and how quick-tongued you are, you can try to walk your way around it to make your wrong sound right. And just because you're a really good arguer, maybe you can convince your spouse that you, all along you were right. Or, if you want to have a happy and long marriage, you say, I was wrong. 
No one likes to say that. It hurts me just to pretend to say it right now. As we say that, it comes out and we go, I was wrong. But you know what? That's the kindest and the most truthful thing you can say. And then you can find out what is true and move forward as a couple in truth rather than two people just wanting to be right all the time. What a similar thing for, for God. We live in a world when it's filled with uncertainty. And we have a God who's turned on the light and said, let me tell you what is true. And sometimes we need to come over here and say, you know what? I thought I was right all along, but I wasn't right. Let me find out what is truth. And that's what Jesus Christ does. He comes along and opens up the, the doors to allow us to see what is true and live what is true. We have the gift of light. Secondly, we have the, the gift of Emmanuel. In the book of Matthew, it lays out and gives us a prophecy that was presented to the nation of Judah 700 years before Jesus. And the book of Matthew records this and reminds us of a prophecy given to the, the prophet Isaiah 700 BC. And the prophecy is this in Matthew chapter number 1. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We have a wonderful prophecy given to us that's been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That 2,700 years ago, there were some real people in Israel. There was a king named King Ahaz. And King Ahaz was the king of Judah. I'll give you a little bit of history. There was the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah. They were separated and they were against each other and they were at war. And the nation of Israel had got together with the Syrians and they had combined and made a big army. And they said, we're going to go south and we're going to destroy Judah. And the prophet Isaiah comes to King Ahaz of Judah. And Judah is where Jerusalem is. And he gives him this prophecy. And the scripture actually records and it says, The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as trees of the forest shake before the wind. And maybe you are in a position right now where you don't know what the future holds. And it's scary. Maybe it's a, it's a diagnosis from, a, from the doctor. And the doctor says, I have some bad news. To share with you and within our church family and in our community that is so common maybe there's things of uncertainty in regards to relationships or finances or your housing and there's always unknown and you are just like ahaz and the nation of judah shaking like trees and you say i don't know what the future holds how did god give his nation comfort he reminds them I'm going to be with you. Now, oftentimes, if you are a parent, you kind of just say, I want to be alone for a while. Now, I, I'm sure as a mother, you've said that. It's only like the second week of the school holidays, and you're already like, okay, school needs to go back next week. In a moment, I have a video to show you that's just a silly video that's not particularly spiritual to illustrate the fact that we're never alone. Just like God is never leaves us, we need to be with God. 
There's a saying that I want to, to give you. It says, God is with us, but am I with God? This is just a silly little illustration. Dad's out shoveling the driveway. Mom desperately needed a treat to get through the rest of the night. So I'm hiding in the pantry. Eating a treat. Is that wrong? They don't ever go away. They want everything you have. See? She's always there. Hi. 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 Now, God isn't hiding in the pantry going, they're always there. They're always asking for stuff. They're never satisfied. They're always hungry. If you have teenage boys, you understand that. They're always hungry. And God doesn't have the attitude of going, do you know what? I've already answered your prayer 15 times this week. Forget you. He doesn't get tired. He, God with us. And we have that God with us through Jesus Christ. This week I've had the opportunity to get some phone calls from the hospital. Some people that actually, from people that I knew, and even yesterday I received a phone call from someone in ICU that I didn't know that just wanted someone to come and comfort them and to pray with them. So I went in yesterday afternoon and sat with, with, a, with a mother, with a, with a son who is in a, a coma right now, and there's all these various things taking place in their life. I think myself as I walk in, God, I need you right now. I have no idea what I'm going to say to this lady. How am I going to give her comfort? Humanly speaking, I have no idea what I'm going to do. God, I need you with me. And I go back in my mind and say, God with us. What gives me that confidence? It's not because I'm a good person. It's not because I'm just, you know, I, I asked for it. It's because Jesus Christ came to earth and he's given us this wonderful gift of God with us. We have the gift of light. We have the gift of Emmanuel, God with us. We have the gift of favor. Favor in this passage aligns with the word grace, and they go hand in hand. Grace is receiving a gift that I do not deserve. Grace is receiving a gift that I do not deserve. We have God's grace in our life, and it changes our perspective. It changes the, the source of my hope. It changes my confidence. It changes the way that I view life and also the way that I view death. The angel Gabriel came to Mary and the way that he greeted her to give her the good news that she was going to be the mother of the Savior of the world. He says, greetings, O favored one, or greetings, O one that's filled with God's grace. The Lord is with you. We have a wonderful privilege of having God's grace. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Titus chapter number 2. And in verse number 11 it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. There's a quote that I shared a couple of weeks ago in church that's a really good quote. So therefore I'm going to share it again. And it's by a man named John Newton. And John Newton wrote the most famous hymn ever sung, the, the song Amazing Grace. He was a man who lived his life very far from God for the majority of his life. 
He was a man who actually was a, 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 a captain of a ship that became a slave trader. And he, he lived very far from God in his actions, but also in his mind. And he came to you know Christ as his Savior in a very real way. The light was turned on. He learned the truth. He learned that God was with him. And as a result of that, he called out for the grace of God. He didn't want the payment of things that he deserved. He wanted God's favor upon his life. And so he, he wrote the hymn later on in life, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. And one of the quotes that he has, and there's a number of quotes, and this is part of a much longer paragraph that I've, I've consolidated together. He said this, I'm not the man I ought to be. I'm not the man I wish to be. I'm not the man I hope to be, but by the grace of God, I'm not the man I used to be. Thank God for grace. Thank God for the gift of his favor upon us. We have the light of truth. We have God with us, Emmanuel. And we have the gift of favor, which is God's salvation by grace through faith. We also finally have the gift for everyone. Now, I realize that as parents, we're supposed to be grown up and mature. Now, I realize that we are grown up and mature. When other people receive gifts, we're happy for them. And I also realize that the principle of it's better to give than it is to receive. That's a biblical principle. But it's sometimes really nice to get to, isn't it? It's nice to have a gift that has your name on it. And that gift is for you too. The scripture says in Luke chapter number one, this is Mary talking and, and, and praising God after discovering that she was going to be the mother of the Savior of the world. He says, His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. That generation to generation literally means for everyone. His mercy. So we talked about grace a moment ago. Now we see mercy. Mercy it is similar to grace, but it's a different definition. Mercy is not receiving the punishment that I deserve. We have the wonderful privilege of having God's grace and his mercy upon us. And in Romans chapter number eight, it gives us some of the benefits of this mercy. And Romans 8 verses 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation. You want the gift of being called not guilty? That's through Jesus Christ. For those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free. So do you want freedom in this life? We find that through Jesus Christ. From the law of sin and death. Now, I know we all raise our children to say please and thank you. And which makes us very proud, even though they don't always do it at home, when we send our children out to, to a friend's house and they return our children to us and they give us the wonderful compliment of saying, your children have such good manners. Now, I realize at home, you're like, well, why don't we ever see that at home? When we send our children out, they've taken the, the principles that we've taught them of please and thank you and sharing. And least, even though they're not doing it at home, at least they're doing it out in public. Well, what we have here is the ability for you, every single one of you, to say, that's mine. 
that's mine today. This gift of life is for everyone. So therefore, it's yours too. It's not like it's just for those people or for just for these. It's for you. So there is a gift with your name on it that is given to us that contains the love and the life of Jesus Christ. As a way of responding, I'm going to quote a hymn that was written in 1917. It was written by a man named Frederick Lehman, and it's called The Love of God. And this man looks back and he, uh, and he thinks about how can he possibly describe the love of God. And in a very poetic way, he writes this. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Do you reflect upon the gifts this Christmas? You have been offered the gift of life through Jesus Christ. And I hope that you get some really good socks and undies today. And I hope you have a wonderful Christmas lunch. And I hope you come back and you're like, oh, I'm so full. I hope you have a wonderful day today. But most of all, my prayer is that you will know that you have life through Jesus Christ. And it's not through your good works. It's not through your nationality. It's not through your bank account or your education. It's only through Jesus Christ. So I have three questions for you to close. First question is this. Is your Christmas more about activity or celebration? So I want you to think about that. Are you here to celebrate or is this just another activity? I want you to mull that over for, for a moment. Second question is, what do you think that God wants you to do with his gift of life? How do you think that God wants you to respond Do you think God wants you to look at the gift that has your name on it and to ignore it? Or do you think that God wants you to open that gift and receive it for yourself? And we can help you at the end of the service and show you out of the Bible how you can receive that gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ even today. And then finally is this. Will you allow us the opportunity to introduce you to Jesus today? I know there's a lot of fun things we're going to do today, but there's not one thing that's more important than to allow you an opportunity to know the gift of Jesus Christ. I don't have anything better to do today than to show you about Jesus Christ today. So God invites you to receive the gift of life today. So why don't you stand with me? And as I pray, I'm going to invite you to silently pray along with me. Maybe you know, you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And because you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you hear this message today and go, thank you, God, for the life that you've given me. But maybe you're on the other side and you're yet to place your trust upon Christ as your Savior. Today can be that day and you can pray a prayer and say, God, will you please give me your life? Forgive me of my sin and give me your life, your light, your Emmanuel, your favor, because it's for me. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this Christmas season. Thank you for the wonderful message that we get to, to share this Christmas of the gift of life that's given to us through Jesus Christ. Thank you for your son. 
Thank you for him coming to earth and living a perfect life, dying a cruel death on the cross and rising from the dead so that we can celebrate and live this life with confidence, knowing that you are the one that loves us and cares for us. You've given us life, not just for now, but for eternity in heaven. And Lord, I pray that every single one of us will know that and live that and share that with others. And in Jesus' name, amen.